Whoa. Before we get started, I want to go over the four sponsors for this episode who make all this possible. They're fantastic, so go show them some love. The first is the best URL in the industry, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, driving mass adoption. That's why we're all here, right? To get every human on earth a digital wallet and to get them using digital currencies. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and a new card payment. Everything you could want is at Crypto.com. They've been longtime supporters of Off The Chain and recently announced a new exchange. So go help them out, download their app from the App Store, or visit Crypto.com and tell them Pomp sent you. There's nothing better in the world than a company helping to drive global adoption of this new technology. Another part of global adoption is making sure that we secure the various blockchains with computing power. CoinMine has built the best consumer experience in mining. Hands down, no competition. If you want to help secure the blockchain and get started in mining, you can go to coinmine.com slash Order a CoinMine, it'll arrive at your door, and you simply take it out of the box, plug it in, and connect to your Wi-Fi. You'll be mining your favorite crypto in five minutes or less. It is honestly magical. I have one running right now here in the office, and it's super quiet, it's got no heat, and every person that comes in the office asks, what is that? Every single person asks. It's a coin mine. The best part to me is that the coin mine comes with a mobile app that's super slick, and the company continues to push over-the-air updates to the device that add functionality, add tokens that can be mined, or increase the efficiency of the device. Similar to how Tesla does car software updates over the air, CoinMine's sending these passively to thousands of CoinMines around the world on a periodic basis. Pretty damn cool. When Farboot and the team pitched me on the idea of an Xbox or PlayStation-like box that could mine cryptocurrency in your home, I was immediately sold. I invested in the business, have a device personally, and keep telling people to go to coinmine.com pomp so they can save a lot of time if they want to get started mining today. And CoinMine has a partnership with our third sponsor for this episode, BlockFi. BlockFi is one of my favorite companies in crypto because they allow users to deposit their assets in a deposit account and immediately start earning interest. Think about it. If you keep your digital assets on an exchange or in cold storage, you aren't benefiting from any yield on the asset. With BlockFi, they allow you to deposit crypto and then get paid interest on a monthly basis in crypto. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in ETH? You can do it. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in Bitcoin? You can do it. The rates at BlockFi are currently some of the best in the industry. You can earn 6% interest on Bitcoin, and you can earn up to 8.6% APY on GUSD deposits. I'm an investor in the company and think BlockFi is building really important and compelling infrastructure. So go check them out at BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com slash POMP. And that brings us to the last advertiser of the episode, eToro. These guys have absolutely crushed it over the years. Their founder, Yoni, was one of the original Bitcoin OGs and has been ahead of almost every trend in crypto. He built eToro to help people buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, but he added a few twists, social trading, copy trading, and virtual trading accounts. Social trading is a feature where every asset available on the platform has its own separate social feed where people talk about the asset, share trading ideas and analysis, and even include various charts or graphs. Virtual trading accounts is targeted at beginners. If you're just starting out and want to try trading with play money, eToro will give you a virtual account with $100,000 in it to test, learn, and get comfortable. And so, then that brings us to copy trading, which is by far the coolest feature. This allows you, as a user, to select any other user's portfolio to copy. If you see someone on the platform you like, you can set your account to mimic their trades. They buy Bitcoin with 5% of their portfolio, your portfolio buys 5% Bitcoin. They sell 50% of their Ether position, your portfolio does the same thing automatically. 
Copy trading's awesome, so go join the 10 plus million other traders on eToro and start trading all the most popular cryptocurrencies today. They're one of the largest companies in the space, and you can get started by going to eToro.com. Again, that is eToro.com, where the entire team's ready to get you started in just a few clicks. And don't forget, go subscribe to the Off The Chain daily newsletter. You can go to offthechain.substack.com. I write a letter of news, analysis, and opinion every morning that goes out to more than 40,000 investors. See you there. What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Alan Lane is the CEO of Silvergate. In this conversation, we discuss the Silvergate story, how Alan first discovered Bitcoin, how important the bank has become to the crypto industry, what Alan feels is important for the future of banking, and why Silvergate recently went public. Alan is an OG in the Bitcoin and crypto industry. I always enjoy talking to him, so I hope you really enjoyed this episode as well. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I'm sitting here with the, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Alan is here. And uh, just first of all, thank you so much for coming to do this. I know uh, for those that don't know, uh, Silvergate recently went public and he has been on the road for two plus weeks telling uh, story after story and, uh, and fundraising. So he's, uh, he's pretty talked out at this point. But uh, thanks so much for coming to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Thank, thanks for the opportunity. For sure. Um, let's get started with just your personal story, kind of what you did pre-Silvergate, and then we can get into the crypto stuff. Sure. So actually started in banking as a teller while I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so um, over the last almost 40 years, I've done just about every job that you can do in a bank. Amazing. Um, and I did spend some time in private industry in the 1990s in both retail and manufacturing. And so actually ran companies um, that needed banking services and then in the late 90s got back into banking. And um, it, it was a business bank. And um, so really liked being back on the other side of the table helping businesses. And um, as we were just talking about, one thing I know being having run a business and then being back in banking, businesses just want their bank to work. They just, <laughs> they just don't want to think about it, right? And so our whole goal is if we can just make it seamless for our customers to, you know, to kind of do their business and not have to worry about their bank. But anyway, so um, done that for most of my career. I joined Silvergate in 2008, mm-hmm. right at the height of the financial crisis. And uh, what attracted me to Silvergate was it was a very um, clean but small platform that I thought was going to be um, really good to build a foundation on, mm-hmm. and um, little did I know that around that same time that I was uh, that I was joining um, Silvergate, there was also this 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 white paper um, you know being written about Bitcoin. I didn't know anything about it, you know. I, I'm not a cypherpunk, um, and so we just went about building the bank, and um, because we were clean during the financial crisis, coming out of that we could lend when a lot of other banks um, were struggling. Mm-hmm. And so so for the first few years, we were growing like crazy on the asset side, making loans. 
And um, ironically, what we were struggling with was we were struggling with growing the deposit side of the balance sheet to fund our loan growth. What, what, why was that a challenge at the time? Yeah, it, it was really just, just because, uh, first of all, Silvergate was not well known. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Silvergate didn't really have a deposit franchise, if you will. We had four branches uh, kind of spread out all over Southern California, didn't really have a brand name. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then um, at that time, if, if, um, if you were a business and you had a banking relationship, mm -hmm. you didn't want to lose it because mm -hmm. there, there was so much turmoil you know, coming out of the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And so it was really difficult to um, kind of you know, shift people's mindset to leave their bank and join a new one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, and that's certainly understandable. So um, we just kept on lending and, you know, we were finding creative ways to fund the loans, um, you know, opening um, CDs and, you know, doing a little internet banking and some of that, you know, some of that stuff. Um, and then along the way in 2013, I started reading about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And um, what I, and it was just intellectual curiosity at that mm -hmm. point. I wasn't really thinking about it and how it might intersect with Silvergate. It was just, Kind of in my spare time, I you know I I read stuff and yeah. <laughs> and um, and we were looking for deposit niches for the bank, mm -hmm. and I was reading about Bitcoin and I w was reading that there were companies that were being formed mm -hmm. to provide infrastructure mm -hmm. to this new thing called Bitcoin. It wasn't called crypto, you know. It wasn't yep. you know it was, it was really, just Bitcoin. it was Bitcoin only at at the time, and um, and so. I learned that there were companies that were raising venture money, mm -hmm. so they had deposits. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to put them in a bank, mm -hmm. Silvergate's a bank, and they were getting kicked out of their banks. Mm -hmm. And and so obviously there was a, a reason they were getting kicked out, and and it was the perception of risk, right? Yeah. It was. And, and yeah. talk a little bit more about that perception, right? Because I think this is a key piece where uh, if you don't pay attention to Bitcoin and crypto on a daily basis, any other industry in the world, maybe other than cannabis, banking is a, you know readily available if you're in a developed world country. Right. Uh, as you're saying, that wasn't true in 2013 and actually wasn't true for a pretty long period of time. Right. Why were other banks getting rid of these crypto or Bitcoin companies? Like what was that risk that they perceived? Sure, so there were, there were two things um, from a regulatory perspective. One was just a, a general sense in the United States where banks were kind of de-risking money service businesses, um, check cashing companies, uh, payday lenders, um, you know, there, there was, there was this, this whole kind of movement in the, from the, in the larger banks away from providing banking services to those money service businesses. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, um, companies that were being formed at, at the time, you know, example I use often is Coinbase, mm -hmm. right? So Coinbase, um, is a money transmitter and money service business. And um, so they were struggling to find bank accounts because lots of banks were kind of just, they were leaving that, that segment. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was one reason. The other reason was because of the whole concern about anti-money laundering, BSA. Mm -hmm. um, and that really has more to do with kind of terrorist financing, um, you know, bad actors. And, you know, it's, it was right around that time that Silk Road happened, right? Yep. Um, and, and so big concern that the primary use case for Bitcoin at the time was for, you know, nefarious activity, right? And, um, and what people didn't really understand at the time was that, well, you know, if you're using Bitcoin for, you know, that kind of stuff, you've got a, 
higher probability of getting caught, right? Um, and and so um, that and that was a little bit of an aha moment for us early on because when I so I was reading about Bitcoin, read about Silk Road, read that companies were getting kicked out of banks, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, here there might be an opportunity for Silvergate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing, you know, we're a we're a regulated financial institution. We're we're a state chartered bank in California. We're a member of the Federal Reserve. Our deposits are insured by the FDIC, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, we had a lot of regulatory oversight and still do. And so the first thing I did was was called our compliance officer. And I said, hey, have you heard about Bitcoin? And the great thing was she had. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So wow. um, she's now our chief operating officer. Her name is Kate Frere. Um, and and Kate immediately sent me articles, you know. And, and so and, and it's so cool because at Silvergate, we just we've got this culture and, and it's just a whole bunch of folks who are curious, mm-hmm. um, who are, you know, reading about stuff in their spare time. And so, um, you know, so we started a dialogue and I said, well, do you think we can figure out how to bank these companies because it might be a source of deposits. Mm-hmm. And that was as simple as it was. It, we've become a lot more, um, you know, a lot more sophisticated in our account offering to our yep. customers. But in the early days, it was just... It was just, here's a niche that is no one else wants to serve. If we can figure out how to serve them, but also kind of uh, pay attention to the risk, yep. then we can drive deposits, drive deposits, we can continue to fund loans, grow assets, That's right. That's Got right. Got it. And, and so um, let's fast forward a little bit. As you grew that business, uh, the first customer is somebody that you guys had actually known for a while. Maybe tell the story a little bit about sure. kind of who that first customer was and, and yeah. how that all came together. Yeah, so so it's funny how, how things in life work. So so um, probably two or three years previous to that, um, I, I had met uh, this company um, by the name of Second Market. And um, Second Market was... Um, Founded by Barry Silbert, and um, and and his claim to fame, or the way I heard of him, you know, was um, they were making a market for illiquid securities, kind of pre-IPO. So, um, making a, a market for Facebook stock before Facebook went public, for mm-hmm. instance. Okay, um, and the reason our paths crossed, and I didn't meet, meet Barry at the time. I, I met someone who worked who worked for him, um, but I think they had a thesis that okay, where are there other markets? Um, where there might be illiquid securities, or you know, Ill- illiquid um, ownership, um, mm-hmm. people that want that want liquidity, and there's all these um, privately owned independent banks across the country, and so um, so that's how we met um, Silvergate. Up until um, a week ago, was a privately owned company, and um, so so we met. Um, we talked about maybe doing something together. Um, and that never really took off. Um, little did I know that um, I think Barry was already kind of starting to pay attention to Bitcoin. Um, but what what um, the intersection there was, I think Second Market got to know us as a bank that was um, maybe willing to look at things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And and we've just kind of had this um, this process or this um, this methodology of looking at risk. Um, what was what is the perception of the mm-hmm. risk um, versus the actual risk? Yep. Because oftentimes there's there's a you know, and that's the whole thing about Bitcoin too, right? Um, but if, if the perception of risk is here, but you can mitigate that risk, and the risk is is, is really here, then all of this is opportunity, yep. right? Um, and we talk about mispriced <clears throat> risks all the time. Absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely, and and so. Um, so that's that's the way um, we looked at Bitcoin, and um, and so in 2013, all of a sudden, we start getting referrals um, from Second Market 
um, for companies in the Bitcoin space. Um, and it just coincided with, with us looking at it. And so, um, so in January of 2014, our very first customer in this space uh, was Second Market. Um, they're now known as Genesis Trading. Um, and the whole, you know, um, Barry sold Second Market to NASDAQ um, and created the Digital Currency Group. Uh, and uh, so what, be, what started as one account with, with Second Market that became Genesis is, you know, is now, um, you know, we, we are their bank. Um, and um, they've made a lot of investments in, in companies um, over the years, and a lot of those companies are now clients of Silvergate as well. It's amazing, and and it's so funny how uh, Barry and Digital Currency Group have uh, become an, a very important part of the ecosystem. But yep. in the very early days, obviously, um, you know, kind of being that first customer, I think probably gave you some confidence that hey, look, at least we got one person to do this. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and the the other thing that was important is is because we are regulated. Um, you know we have to make sure that we're doing everything right and and so going and banking second market because of the fact that they were a broker dealer um so we knew that they were familiar with regulation um they understood kyc know your customer they understood bsa the bank mm -hmm. secrecy act aml anti-money laundering all of those things they had to do that um for their for their customers as well mm -hmm. so we looked at it as like providing banking services to another regulated company mm -hmm. um, but the cool thing was that um, we also went to school right away on understanding um, what it was they were doing so mm -hmm. so um, in order for us to get comfortable that so let's say that um, second market was facilitating the buying or selling of Bitcoin between you know between two parties and the and the US dollars were going to go across Silvergate banks wire system mm -hmm. right so what we were doing in January 2014 is we were asking the second market, hey, for that transaction that you're sending that wire, provide us the, um, the blockchain address. Um, mm -hmm. so that, because what we want to do is go to a block explorer, you know, and we want to type in that address. And we want to see a transaction that represents the dollars that's going through the bank. Mm -hmm. And I think um, they, were, they were kind of surprised that a, a bank was even asking that question yep. in 2014. For sure. And, and so today, like you go from that first customer to uh, maybe share a little bit about just like where you guys are from a size. I know in the prospectus, you guys have shared a bunch of this, but uh, more than 800 customers today and kind of just talk about where you've gotten yep. to with, with the business yep. um, and then we can go into kind of what those products are. Sure. So, um, yeah, today we we have close to 800 customers. Um it, it started small, obviously, and um, I think by the end of 2016, we still only had uh, a couple dozen customers. Mm -hmm. um, but importantly, um, there were some of the, the most well-known companies you know, that still exist today. Mm -hmm. um, and so back in the day, you know, we, we were, um, you know, we got to meet all the crypto OGs before anyone knew they were OGs, right? You know, and they were just people and, looking for bank accounts. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, we were just very blessed. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I will say there's certainly an, an element of luck, um, you know, and an element of just kind of being opportunistic. Um, but we ended up, you know, banking some of the best, most well-respected companies in this little ecosystem um, and and then in 2016 
um, we hired um, the other really important person in this story um, for just, you know, I mean, there are, first, let me say, there are over 200 employees at Silvergate who every day come to work figuring out how to just kind of kill it for our customers, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's a pleasure to work with them. Um, ben Reynolds is a guy that we met. I met him in January, I think, of 2016. Okay. He knew nothing about Bitcoin. Um, and Like most people. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And um, we were just looking for somebody to help us, um, you know, kind of um, what should we be doing next, right? We had a couple dozen customers, maybe 40, 50 million in deposits. The, the bank was about maybe 600 six to eight hundred million in assets okay Mm -hmm. so deposits didn't even represent ten percent of the assets at the time and um but we had great customers Mm -hmm. and and so ben uh, you know what he did was he just went out to our customers and said hey um i'm new explain to me what you do and and you know how can we be more helpful Mm -hmm. and um it was out of that dialogue that the sen was born um what uh, you know uh, it's we call it the silvergate exchange network Mm Most of our customers call it the SEN. Yes, SEN for um, S-E-N, S-E-N, Silvergate Exchange it, Network. Absolutely, yes, thank you. Um, and for, I, I, you know, some of the people listening, they won't get that, so I've got to clarify for them. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so the idea was born really out of talking with our customers about the pain points mm-hmm. that they experienced, the friction, the banking friction, getting money into and out of the crypto ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we were helping them do that, some of our customers, you know, especially the exchanges, um, they wanted to be able to do that at scale. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does that work at scale? Well, you really need to build an API. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of companies, a lot of banks in the country that have APIs for doing things like pulling an account balance mm-hmm. or transaction history. There's probably less than two dozen banks in the US that actually have a transactional API that will allow you to transfer value. Um, and, and so that was the really kind of aha moment for us is that we've got a lot of customers who are actually transacting with each other, mm-hmm. but um, without the ability to um, do that in a programmatic way. Um, and so it's really time consuming. Mm-hmm. So um, first we had to up, upgrade our core data processing system, which we did in 2016. We then started building the API, um, and then in 2017, we started connecting people to each other, mm-hmm. uh, our, our customers to each other. And that timing, again, talk about luck, um, because in 2017, we were really poised when the market took off. Yep. And we went from you know, having less than a, you know, a couple dozen customers to um, having a little over 200 customers yep. by the end of 17. We grew, um, we doubled the size of the bank in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, now that was the, you know, that was the bull market of 2017. Yeah. Um, and but, um, but again, it's important that you guys were doing exactly what you'd been doing all along. You were offering right. banking services to folks that were playing by the rules, doing that's the right, right things in crypto. And at the same time, even in 2016 and 17, just like in 2013, other banks were still uncomfortable. They were still shutting that's people right. off. They were still that's kicking right. people out. And so I think, when I first heard, hey, Silvergate is, you know, kind of friendly to this, it was in a thank God we have them, mm-hmm. right? Because where else are we going to go if there's not Silvergate? There wasn't very many options at the time, sure, right? And, and yeah. obviously you guys benefited from having done the work up front and, yeah. and kind of being open-minded um, and, and working with those companies and obviously doing a good job because the reputation spread and, and the business took off. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so... so um, 
We yeah we I I still I I just feel very blessed that 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 the timing worked out in such a way that we were working on this um, and that we were in the right place at the right time. Um, and then obviously doing the right things, um, but that gets back to the team, you know, back mm-hmm. back at the at, at world headquarters, you know, of Silvergate in La Jolla. Um, but they're living in Southern California. They're, 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 <laughs> it's uh, cold here in New York this morning, and I'm thinking about what are you doing here when you could be in Southern California? Yeah, yeah, it is a little chilly out there. So, all right. So, anyone who's part of this uh, Silvergate Exchange Network, talk about like what changes for them from like a user experience standpoint, and what like what functionality. Um, does the network actually give them right? Yep. So, like, yep. what's the value? Yeah. So, so if you're a if you're a member of the Sen, you can transact with other members of the Sen, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year, um, and you you're transmitting fiat currency, primarily U.S. dollars. Although we have opened this up for for other fiat currencies as well, and um, your money is there. Instantly, got it. So, so um, it's like Venmo for corporations. We 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 joke about this. Um, one of the guys back at the office jokes that that his primary role in life is is to connect nineteen um, seventies legacy banking technology to the twenty four seven you know crypto market. But I I believe we, you know we're we were the first bank in the world, and I'm not sure if anyone else is doing this yet. But um, to be able to take the legacy banking system mm-hmm. that only operates you know 40 hours a week Monday through Friday and mm-hmm. bring it into the 24/7 crypto market that never sleeps mm-hmm. and and this becomes really important if if you are a an institutional investor you know mm-hmm. um, and I should say this um, we we have an institutional focus mm-hmm. uh, so um, when we talked earlier about the almost 800 customers that's broken down into three categories um, the first category would be exchanges OTC desks etc. Um, and then we connect them with institutional investors. Mm-hmm. Um, these are family offices, hedge funds, um, folks that are um, that are approaching digital currencies as an asset class. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they're they're um, employing different investment strategies. And what they want to do is they want to have confidence in their banking relationship. Mm-hmm. But then importantly, um, if, if we can make it efficient for them to use their capital to get on and off of different platforms. Um, and not just in the U.S., but around the world. So, you know, we, we, we started, obviously, as a U.S.-centric operation, but, you know, we have customers internationally. Um, and so if you, if you wake up on a, you know, early Saturday morning or Sunday morning or a holiday um, and you see that something's going on in the crypto market in Asia and you want to put some money to work, um, you can, can do log into your account at Silvergate push some money over um, onto whatever exchange, you know, you're working with um, or call your OTC desk, um, you know, and say, hey, you know, I want to buy or sell. Um, And you can do it just like that. And and so it's it's really been a game changer for our customers. And then that has just um, really just kind of helped grow the business because many of our customers they don't want to trade with others unless they're on the send because mm-hmm. we just take out the friction. Yep. Um, there is literally no friction uh, yeah. on it, the it, it really side. is the true uh, kind of network effect, right, in the sense that uh, once somebody comes over, then they want all of their partners to come over, right? Once those people That's come right. over, you get more people to come in, et cetera. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of how you see the bank playing with crypto, right? So mm-hmm. you built this, the send, obviously, which uh, has been incredibly valuable for folks. Um, but 
you're not a crypto company, right? You're, you're right. still a legacy regulated financial institution yes. that um, you look like a bank, you smell like a bank, right? Yep. You, you know, you walk like a bank, so yep. you're a right. bank. We're a bank. And you provide necessary infrastructure to crypto companies, right? right? And, and I think there's two components that are important here. One is that connection or that support is a point of failure for the crypto industry, right? right? Yep. You know, we've seen in countries like India where the regulator stepped in and said to the regulated financial institutions, you are outlawed from working with crypto companies. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't sound like a big deal, except for now the crypto company has no bank account to store fiat, pay employees, right. et cetera. Right. It'd be very kind of um, you know detrimental to their business. But do you just continue to build financial services from like the legacy world to support these companies? Do you have ambitions to go into kind of the crypto world and become more of like a crypto bank in the future? Kind of just talk to me, sure. Um, knowing that you know there's some stuff you can say around regulation, uh, the regulators allow you to say, and some that you can't with forward-looking right. statements, etc. Yeah. But just like, how do you see this evolving over time as you continue to support these you know 700, 800 customers? Yep. So. Um First, to, to touch on bank-specific regulation, um, we would not be able to do this um, were it not for the support of our regulators, mm -hmm. right? And, and so the way that looked from the very beginning was in 2014, as soon as we started banking um, this industry, we had a handful of customers. We invited our regulators in. Um, I can show you a, a, a presentation in the summer of 2014 that, that we made to the state banking department and, and the Federal Reserve. And it was essentially a Bitcoin tutorial. Okay? <laughs> this is how Bitcoin works. You know, it was, it was, you know, the graphics from the distributed ledger, you know, all yep. that kind of stuff. Um, but, but then we segmented the market. Um, and it was obviously a, a very nascent market, and it still is. But we looked at it... Um, the same way then as as we look at it today, which is we, we said, look, there's there's the different verticals. Um, some folks are approaching Bitcoin as an asset class, you know, as a new asset. Some people are thinking about it as a payment rail. You know, you can think about like the BitPays of the world that are trying to disrupt, you know, the payment side of thing. Um, and we said, we're going to, you know, we're going to focus on this institutional market. And then the other thing we're going to do is um, focus on other companies that are building infrastructure, you know, um, whether they, have, they be protocol developers, you know, miners, etc. But what we're not going to do is kind of play in that middle space, which, which is the remittance space, because yeah. that's not how we're set up. We don't have a, a credit and debit card offering, um, you know, so that, that really wasn't where, where, where we wanted to play. But importantly, back, back to your question, so, so early on we explained to the regulators, this is how we view it. These are the, um, the these are the the controls that we're putting in place. This is how how we're monitoring. You know the, the KYC, AML, etc. And by doing that, um, having that dialogue with the regulators early, um, prior to their next exam, it allowed them the opportunity to prepare for when they came in to to do their annual exam. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fast forward now, for 2014. That was the first year. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. We just finished our sixth annual regulatory exam, right? Yep. We're not allowed to talk about regulatory ratings, um, but suffice it to say, we've been doing this for six years. Um, our program has become a lot more sophisticated. I, I was telling you earlier about 
you know, looking at the, um, you know, at the blockchain um, to look at a specific address to see a transaction. Um, you know, that was before Chainalysis, Elliptic, um, you know, Cypher Trace, all these other Elementus. tools. Elementus. Elementus, yes, got to get them all in there. Uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, so that was before all, all these tools were, were, were developed, which we've, you know, obviously now incorporated into our systems, right? And, and so our process has matured as, you know, as the ecosystem has matured. Um, so as we move forward, um, you know, we, we continue to build our, our program and then um, we're essentially, we're customer driven. Um, everything that we do is in response to our customers. Mm -hmm. The SEN was born out of um, a customer demand, our, our, you know, customer requests saying, hey, this is, it's painful to, you know, the banking friction is painful and the lack of liquidity, the counterparty risk. Um, and so really trying to, to um, smooth all that away, that's how the SEN was born. Mm -hmm. Now that we've got, you know, you know, growing towards a thousand customers in this in this space, our customers are saying, you know, we love the SEN for the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. um, we love the SEN for yen, the SEN for euro, the SEN, mm -hmm. you know, for the you know British pound sterling, the Singapore the Singapore dollar, etc. So we're enabling foreign currency exchange, mm -hmm. which is something that Silvergate never did in the past, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, but we also recognize our customers want to do it at scale, right? Um, they're all thinking about scale. Yeah, they're, so, they're scale and they're global, right? Exactly. Is the two right. big components that this right. industry probably more than most yep. has when a business starts on day one, it's a global business. It, exactly. Right. So so, um, so we stood up a foreign currency desk um, earlier this year um, and we're in the process of um, establishing all those correspondent banking relationships around the world so that so that we can facilitate foreign currency exchange. So so that's the most recent product that you know that 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 we've added. The next thing we're working on is um, credit doesn't exist in this market, right? The way it does in other mature financial markets. Um, the concept of prime brokerage, um, all of these things that just kind of work in the traditional financial system um, don't exist in, in crypto. And, and, and so um, one of the things we're working on right now is the ability to um, provide leverage to customers who are long Bitcoin. And, um, and because of the 24-7 nature of the market and the 24-7 nature of SEN, again, I think we're probably one of the only banks in the world that has the capacity, the capability to actually do mm -hmm. something like this. Mm -hmm. You can think of it as, as, you know, kind of in traditional kind of margin lending, and I'll, I'll put margin lending in quotes because we're not a, you know, Bitcoin's not a security mm -hmm. and, you know, we're not a broker dealer, we're, we're a bank. So we're looking at it as um, providing collateralized lending, mm -hmm. um, which is what we do. Um, yep. we, we make loans and we like collateral. Um, you know, the collateral for these loans is going to be Bitcoin. It'll be Bitcoin only um, for the foreseeable future because it's it's the only deep market. Yeah, most right? liquid one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's something that, that we're um, in the process of launching a pilot um, this quarter. And, wow. and, and so um, we're going to do it small to start with, the same way we got into this initiative. You know, let's let's get some of the very our best customers um, on both sides of the sin, right? Um, and let's they're already trading with each other. They're already customers. Um, you know, they're customers of the exchange. They're customers of us. Um, and then let's figure out how we can offer them credit. Um, and so we're working on that right now. Um, and then um, going into next year, the other um, product that we're working on is a. Um, 
a digital settlement um, offering so that we can, up to this point, we've only touched fiat currency. Okay. And we're contemplating um, also providing um, a settlement service for the digital asset. Um, Interesting. So that'll be a game changer, we believe, um, because just as our customers have asked us for, you know, they asked us for the send, they didn't know what to call it, um, and nor did we. They asked us na- now for the send for foreign currencies. Um, they've asked us for credit. They're asking us, you know, hey, we trust you with this. We trust you with our dollars. Um, you know, we'd love you to also stand in the middle of, you know, of the digital side of the trade. Um, and, and so we get all that done and, you know, and... It's a pretty and, robust offering. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What, what do you think you've learned the most if, since 2013 when you first read, you know, the Bitcoin white paper to mm-hmm. today? So six years, uh, that's more than 50% of the lifetime of Bitcoin, yeah. if you kind of think of it in that sense. Uh, and you have built some of the most important infrastructure for this asset and this industry but it wasn't traditional like Bitcoin infrastructure, right? right it it right. was the legacy bank stuff. What would you say is your biggest takeaway or, or lesson learned over those six years? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, first of all, recognizing that that we're a bank. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, and believe me, when when um, when when you catch the bug, you know, and and. Um, you know, I've heard people say, "Go down the rabbit hole." You know, whatever metaphor you you want to use here, um, and and then you happen to be in this in this position where you have access to to all these you know these OGs. Mm-hmm. There's a temptation to want to run off and, and do all of this. You know, oh, it's you know, crypto is going to solve cancer, and you know, uh, you know, it's going to cure cancer and solve world hunger, and and you know, all those things. And say, hey, wait a second, what can we do as Silvergate? Mm-hmm. We're uh, you know, California state chartered chartered bank, uh, member of the Federal Reserve, um, and we've got these great customers who have real problems that they'd like us to solve. So the, probably the biggest takeaway is um, is let's let's stay in our lane, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, that that lane can be pretty pretty broad. Mm-hmm. We, but we don't need to go out and and do some of these other kind of esoteric blockchain things. Mm-hmm. We just need to solve problems for our customers, and and as long as we're being responsive to what our customers are asking us for, and it's legal and permissible for us to do it, mm-hmm. then um, then we've got just an incredible amount of opportunity, and we don't need to go out and look for the next thing. Um, so we're not, you know, we don't have skunk works at the bank trying to figure out, gosh, if we build this, I wonder if our customers will, you know, will want it. It's rather just taking in all of, the, you know, what our customers' needs are and sifting through, um, you know, what what can we really do to help. Skirt, skirt. Want to know who has the best URL? Crypto.com. That's right, crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal mother mass adoption. That's why we're all here. We're trying to get crypto in every wallet. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and card payment. Everything you could want at crypto.com. Go help your boy out. Tell him Pomp sent you. Download the app or visit crypto.com. Pomp's got you. Always. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry, your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to coinmine.com. You buy a coin mine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right. You purchase it. It shows up at your doorstep. You pull it out of the box. You plug it in. Connect to your Wi-Fi. Five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. 
All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp set you, and thank me later. One more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. And, and so uh, we happen to be recording this on a day where uh, Google just announced that they're going to start offering checking accounts to uh, users. That, yeah. um, Facebook's got their Facebook Pay, which is mm-hmm. separate from Libra. Right. Um, and, and we've obviously seen Square and Squ- the Cash App, et cetera. Yep. Kind of all these technology companies that are pushing into the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Um, What's kind of your take running a bank that's been very successful in a specific vertical, right? Obviously, you're growing very quickly. Um, how do you look at the balance between these large technology companies that, for all intents and purposes, probably have better technologists, right, just resource-wise, sure. yep. uh, yep. than most of the financial industry? But the financial industry understands finance, banking, regulations much better than the tech companies. Like, How do you see this playing out over time? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, the announcement this morning um, by Google, I mean, they were, at least the article I read in the Wall Street Journal, they were very specific that they aren't trying to be the bank, yep. right? Um, they're going to partner, at least what I saw, they're going to partner with Citi mm-hmm. and with Stanford Credit Union. Um, so um, so they recognize that um, they're not a bank. Mm-hmm. That and, and, and so... I think one of the biggest takeaways there is is that what does Google have? They have distribution, right? Um, what does Facebook have? Distribution, mm-hmm. and and so um, and we recognize at Silvergate we don't have distribution right now. We, we're certainly um, you're building it. We're building it, and and in the institutional market, um, you know, I would say we're we're building that distribution, um, but the distribution of of having you know. Millions, hundreds of millions, and billions of of um, retail consumer, you know, uh, customers. Uh, that's just something that that um, that really, to your point, the tech companies are you know much better at building those networks, mm-hmm. and um, and and so even when Libra came out, you know, or you know when Libra was first announced, um, and I looked at the. Um, the initial members of the Libra Association, uh, and I thought, okay, well, um, we don't have a direct um, relationship with Facebook, but we've got relationships with that company and that company and that company, you know, and and, and so, um, you know, if and when there's an opportunity um, to to work with some of those folks, um, you know, I think we're well positioned. Um, mm-hmm. But in the meantime. We're going to focus on you know on solving the the needs of our existing customers, mm-hmm. and um, I'm pretty confident that there will be an, an intersection there at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to try to compete with you know with with the behemoths that 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 have um, you know all the financial resources, the tech tech resources, and the distribution. Right? Yeah, so. and, and it's interesting because this is uh, Google's announcement comes on the heels of the launch of the Apple Card, right? Mm-hmm. Which was uh, Goldman Sachs and Apple coming together. 
And what I've really tried to balance in my head, you know, what you call distribution, I look at as distribution is one component and the trust is another, yes, right, right? Of right. like, look, I trust Apple with my, you know, I, uh, my, my um, iPods or whatever they're yeah, yeah. called. Uh, I trust them with the uh, iPhone, right? I trust them with my computer, et cetera. Why would I not trust them with banking, right? right? Yep. And there's plenty of people who say, you know, there's data issues, there's privacy, that, you know, there's all of these uh, potential uh, concerns. But for the most part, I think people feel pretty positive about Google, Apple, Facebook, et cetera. Is this a world where the finance industry is going to need them to continue to build trust? Or do you think that there's folks like Silvergate who they start to specialize, right? So rather than go really general and say, hey, we take everybody from anywhere and, and that's our focus and we want to stay really broad, right? Which is more of kind of like a JP Morgan or, or um, Wells type uh, approach. You guys have done a great job of saying, look, we're very, very specifically focused on this one industry because we found a niche and we're the leader and we're going to kind of double and triple down. I'm guessing that there's other verticals that you'll eventually go into over time as well right, and, and right. kind of execute that same strategy. Is it a thing where you can get fast followed by the big guys into these niche strategies or is it just right time, right place, you guys happen to understand the problems better and, and you can really build a moat around you know certain industries and then go try to replicate in other niche industries as well? Yeah, so um, I certainly think that the bigger guys can do the fast follow strategy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so, um, you know, when, when, you, when you think about competitive moats, um, that, the whole reason in 2016 we hired Ben and said, hey, you know, we, we need to, we've got something here, we need to figure out what we do next, is, is because our first moat was the compliance, you know, the regulatory <laughs> compliance piece, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm not naive. I, I knew that any, any large bank could, you know, could just Big throw right. a bunch of bodies at that and replicate it, and it wouldn't take them nearly as long as it took us because we were doing it, you know, during our day job, you know, as, as we're running the rest of the bank. Um, so the SEN became our next competitive mode, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then as you start to build the network effect that, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, the network effect, and, and we really do have like this two-sided network now, right? Um, where we've got, the you know, the um, exchanges and the OTC desks, we've got the institutional investors, um, and every time we add a new institutional investor, um, it creates value for the exchanges. Every time we add another exchange or OTC desk, it creates value for all the other institutional investors. So it's this virtuous loop. Um, and and so um, do I think that someone else can come in and replicate that? Perhaps. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not throwing the challenge out there. Uh, you know, but, but, the, but the fact of the matter is... Um, Network effects are really difficult to disrupt. You know, I mean, why why is Tether so strong, right? I mean, Tether just gets pummeled, you know, and and um, and yet they've got four billion dollars. Um, at least we think they do. Um, but the important thing is the market thinks they do, right? And the market, you know, and and so net, network effects are just incredibly difficult. Now, now you also talked about trust, right? Um, you can lose a network effect. If you lose trust, right, mm -hmm. um, and and so now, having said that, you know we've seen the example with Libra, um, but why is Libra come under such attack? Because of some of the issues with Facebook, right, and the and it's a Facebook issue, not a Libra issue, exactly. In most cases, uh, yeah, I I, th I think that's spot on. Um, but even with that, um, so with all the issues people have, um, you know, with with Facebook, it's still a pretty 
powerful force. Four five hundred billion dollar company. They're Absolutely. doing okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you know, um, and, and do you feel like that's a Western centric problem, right? Like, I, I, I worked at Facebook, so mm-hmm. you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm highly biased, uh, whether I, I think I am or not. Uh, but to me, it feels like the Twitter crowd, the kind of journalism crowd, the you know, very kind of North American audience. You know, we love to yell and scream and bring our pitchforks out and say, you know, Facebook sucks yeah, and they're yeah. stealing our data and all stuff. My general take is probably people outside the United States, they're like, man, Facebook's pretty powerful, right? right? Yeah, it connects yeah. me to my friends and family. And, and, and many, many people um, in, in the world, they don't, that's how they access the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they're accessing, they're, they're doing it with Facebook on their phone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I do think, you know, um, the, the, the West and particularly the U.S. Um, yeah, I mean, just just look at the um, you know at the at the crypto Twitter uh, you know wars that go on. You know, people love to take a position and then you know come hell or high water. Um, you know, that's the truth. You know, um, so In intellectual <laughs> combat is what yeah, I call exactly. it. Right? The intellectual combat is very real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should be yeah. giving out uh, what is it, like uh, purple hearts on uh, on yep. Twitter for the intellectual yeah. wounds that people take. Yeah. And and by the way, on that. On on that point, um, you know, it's, um, how how cool is it? Um, you know, so you, so you got Jack, Jack Dorsey, who you know, you know who um, founds Twitter, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then Square, um, and then with the Cash App comes full circle with you know with um, Square Crypto, um, and and people are fighting about that on Twitter, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, it's, he, it's so, so cool. it's funny you bring him up. Uh, I still think he is highly underrated in the industry in terms of how important he will become. Right, yeah. so, so he's important today for sure in terms of Twitter. Obviously, he built that yeah. platform square. Um, but uh, he's recently been on this kind of world tour. He's been going. Uh, I think he was in Nigeria, then he was in Ghana, and I think he's mm-hmm. kind of going through a couple of African countries. Uh, and he's meeting up with folks. Uh, and the only things he's sharing online are these Bitcoin meetups. Right, and there's. Not a lot of people there, right? I mean, yeah, he's, right, he's at right. meetups and it sure. looks like there's seven or eight people, yeah. um, but he's taking the time, et cetera. And so I wonder a lot, is that a, uh, is this a, a personal social tr- type trip right, where he's just going for fun? Is this, hey, I want to understand my users on Twitter and Square? Right. Or is um, what I immediately think through is, you know, there's a world where actually Westerners are last to understanding the importance of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and crypto because mm-hmm. We do have banking. We do have the dollar. We have a credit card, right? You know, there's all these infrastructure in place. Yeah. African countries, Asian countries, South American countries. Like, there's a lot of people who actually don't have that stuff available right. to them, right? right? Yeah. And if you think about the difference between uh, if I have to sign up for a U.S. bank account and go through all the kind of hoops and hurdles of doing that, mm-hmm. um, and, and to buy a stock, for example, versus if I have an internet connection, I can jump on, you know, Binance or some exchange that's outside the United States right. and just buy a tokenized stock. Yep. The accessibility and, and, and frictionless experience of going with my internet connection on a crypto exchange right. may actually drive me to go do that rather than go the traditional route. Yeah. And so, do those other countries leapfrog kind of U.S. infrastructure? Yeah. Right. They kind of did with mobile banking a little right. bit. Yep. And, and so, I think a lot about just you know, are Westerners almost too spoiled to see the opportunity? Yeah. Degree. No. And and I mean, cer- certainly in crypto, that's 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 the case. I think where you know. There, there are so many folks um, in non-Western, you know, the non-Western world that that that, that kind of get what you know, kind of the so, uh, some of the core underlying values and, and opportunity is with Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that you were just articulating, um, and that's that's one of the things. So, 
when I get philosophical about this, um, you know, I, I don't think that Bitcoin is going to replace the U.S. dollar, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that it's uh, now. Could it become as um, you know the Bitcoin standard? You know, could it could it become um, you know kind of like the reserve currency for for the world and and replace gold? Certainly, um, you know. I, I mean, gold's got a huge head start, um, and um, but only five thousand years. We'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 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 if you think about it, you know, I mean, in a digital world, um, you know, what other asset is there that has the digital scarcity of Bitcoin? Now, mm -hmm. folks don't understand it. It's still early, um, you know. But um, give it another, you know, couple of decades, and it still will have nothing compared to the five thousand years of you know of gold. Mm -hmm. But but things are moving a lot faster now, too. Yeah, so. for sure. What um, what's been the one thing that you kind of sit back and say uh, in 2013 when I jumped into this, uh, I didn't expect X to happen. Like, like, what's been the most surprising thing over the last six years? Um, well, uh, just kind of on a superficial level, the price, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I bought Bitcoin in in 2013 as an experiment. You know, mm -hmm. it was um, I, I wanted to understand how it worked. Um, and um, you know, I didn't buy enough because I didn't believe enough. Uh, you know, but 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 what I thought was, I thought, wow. Um, so what I was I was reading that um, this thing called Bitcoin, everyone was going to be able to be their own bank. Mm -hmm. And as I shared earlier, I've been in banking my entire career, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> now I work for myself <laughs> exactly. And and so I thought, I'm going to try this. And, you know, and and um, even though I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not a super techie guy deep in the weeds, I try everything you know um, I, I just want to see how it works and and so um, so I bought some Bitcoin um, and then the price ran up to a thousand bucks you know and I thought wow um, that's incredible and then the price came back down and I thought yeah okay so um, but I did buy more you know um, because I thought well heck um, I might as well just you know I one of our um, our the one, one, one of the women on our board of directors said, you know, Alan, we ought to just each buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin and just forget about it. I wish I would have done that in 2013, you know. Um, so I did it later, but, but you know, it, 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 you know I, I, I bought a lot fewer. Um, <laughs> than you, you would have been. But, but you know, if, if, yeah, if I was going to buy, if I was going to spend 10000 today, I'd only get a little over one, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so, so the surprising thing, I guess, on the one hand is, is, the price um, and um, and I think it's got obviously got a lot of room to run still but um, and then you know I just the development of the ecosystem um, I've I kind of missed the whole internet thing mm -hmm. okay um, I was uh, you know that was in the early 90s I was out of banking and running companies and so you know on the periphery I was hearing about the internet but I was I was in I was in a wholesale bakery doing a chapter 11 turnaround of this of this family-owned operation in San Diego, I didn't have time to, you know, you, yeah, know, to, you know, internet, internet, you know, <laughs> you know. I look back on some of the, um, actually, um, something that you just wrote, where 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 you were talking about, I think the, you know, the, the, the early internet, the yeah. early internet, yeah, um, and and you know, hearing the, you know, the dial tone, um, you know, and seeing. Um, you know that clip from um, what show is that? Uh, um, I think it's Brian uh, Gumble. Brian, Brian Gumble. Yeah. yeah. What is the internet? What's that at symbol? Or, or yeah, that A with a circle around it. You know. So, um, but yeah, you know. So it's it's been just absolutely fascinating to be just be blessed um, to be at the early stages mm -hmm. of this kind of revolution um, that is digital currency. Yeah, and and it's pretty crazy to me. I think. Um, 
as you think through the impact that this can have on the world, right, mm-hmm. in terms of um, the United States has been a great beneficiary of things like credit, for example, yeah. right? right. Uh, things um, where people, when they're given access to financial services in terms of income generation and, and yield and, and ability to invest, etc., I always go back to just this idea that there's not a lot of people in the world on a percentage basis that have that access, right? right? And, and so I've spent a lot more time now thinking about like uh, what I call income generating uh, mm-hmm. activities. Mm-hmm. So mining, right? right. You know, uh, I, I was talking to somebody from Venezuela recently and he's like, look, man, you know, the average person doesn't make that much money here, yeah. right? And yeah. guess what? That money is getting worse and worse in terms of the hyperinflation, et cetera. Right. But I can buy a computer, I can plug it in at home, I can turn it on with my internet connection, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden I'm making money every month, right? Right, right. and it's like more like income supplementation. Yeah, and I and it really threw me down this hole of like, well, what else can you do with just an internet connection, mm-hmm. right? So you can do staking, you can do mining, you can do these interest accounts. Like, start looking at, it and you're like, look, again, I don't think that it's gonna, you know, completely solve the world's problems, right? And you know, right. global warming disappears, right? right? right and you're right. kind of like, how did you jump from Bitcoin yeah. to global warming? But in, in terms of um, giving access to what you and I would consider kind of table stakes financial services, it can be really powerful for economic development around the world. And what I look at is like, when do the governments realize this and say, you know what, maybe we aren't the best at trying to drive economic development. Instead, let's empower people to use these services, get connected to the rest of the world, financial industry, et cetera. It may never happen, or maybe it happens somewhat in the short term. Uh, But to me, it just feels like that's like another inflection point that onboards a lot of people very quickly um, and kind of gets them into what I think is, you know, this alternative financial system yeah. that, that has a lot of benefit to it. No, I, I, I definitely agree um, with that concept. I don't see governments, um, you know, really kind of pushing that, right? Yeah. Because government, you know, um, so, but if, if governments can just kind of, you know, not over-regulated and let it happen, um, I think it can be very complimentary. How, how do you look at the regulatory environment today in the U.S. with crypto? Like, you sit in an interesting seat because you actually are more regulated than almost every crypto company, right, given sure. that you're, you yeah. know, you've had state charter, etc. But when you look out at the crypto industry, there's a lot of people who say, hey, there's uncertainty or mm-hmm. the rules need to change, etc. Like, you're probably one of the best people to have an opinion. What do you kind of think in, in terms of that regulation and in the environment today? Yeah, so so there's there's certainly opportunity for um, you know for improvement of, of of the regulatory climate. But what what folks really need to understand is it, you know if you want to change the regulation, in in most cases you have to change the law, right? Mm-hmm. Regulations are just written to to kind of interpret. And you know, and and you know, essentially enforce the law in a certain sense, right? Um, so when we when we first got into this, um, what what our premise was? Well, you know, there are existing regulations yep. that um, you know that determine how we're supposed to treat a money service business. What type of um, KYC are we supposed to do? Um, you know. Um, what type of regulatory framework should these companies have? And mm-hmm. one of the biggest kind of filters that we use when we're working with a with a new prospect, um, whether it be an exchange, OTC desk, um, you know, do they understand the regulatory climate that they're stepping into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, if they don't have a view on which states they need a money transmitter license on, what, and which states they don't. 
um, you know, do they have a compliance officer um, or is the compliance officer also the CEO? You know, I, I mean, in the early stages, um, folks were just really kind of coming up the learning curve. And it's understandable because they were essentially software engineers. You know, they, they were coming from the technology world. And all of a sudden, they had people banging on their door saying, um, hey, you know, you need to comply with these laws. And they say, hey, wait a second. I just created this, you know, this this program to you know to trade Bitcoin um, and and so we certainly had the benefit being a regulated financial institution and understanding regulation it was just okay well let's let's figure out how how the existing rules apply mm-hmm. so I don't I didn't buy the fact that oh this is the wild west and it's not regulated I you know I, I said time out it's regulated you know we just people people need to understand how it is mm-hmm. um, so now are there opportunities for improvement certainly. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of concern about the, you know, the the um, state by state money transmission licensing. Um, you know, the fact that that there is no federal, you know, one, you know, but I mean, be careful what you wish for, right? Um, to have one federal um, overseer for all of that, you know, there is something to be said about the sovereignty of, of the individual states, and you know, on the and and the way the U.S. is set up. So, um, so I think it's a mixed bag. Our, our goal is, you know, we're certainly happy to enter into dialogue with regulators um, and with politicians, you know, about how things could be improved. But um, those, those changes are, are probably going to be slow. Um, and um, when we do get them, we're, you know, again, be careful what you wish for. So we're just going to focus on what are the rules and how do we, you know, how do we comply with them? My, one of the things my, my wife teases me about is when I was growing up, I have three three brothers. I loved pl- to play board games, um, and um, I I always read the rules, you know. Um, and and so I we just read the rules, you know, and figure out what are the rules of the game, um, and you know, and, and that's 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 how we got into this business, and and that's how as we think about new products and services, um, you know, we have a relationship with the New York DFS. We're a California bank, right? Um, so why would we have a, a relationship with the DFS? Well, because um, they regulate a lot of our customers, right? Yep. And so several years ago, we realized, you know what? They should, we should know them and they should know us. And mm-hmm. so we, we um, made an appointment. And I think initially they were like, well, what was it? why is this California bank coming here? But, um, but we have a dialogue with them. And so as we think about perhaps offering like the, dig- the, the settlement for digital assets mm-hmm. um, and perhaps not doing that inside the bank, but maybe in a separate licensed entity um, that would be a sister company to the bank, um, there's an opportunity p- perhaps to do that here in New York, um, you know, with, with the DFS. Um, we've got a relationship with the OCC. Um, they regulate national banks, um, but we've been in there to talk with them. Um, you know, the FDIC comes in even though we're, we're a member of the Fed, so the FDIC doesn't normally come into a state bank that's a Fed member because mm-hmm. you um, only have one federal regulator. But the FDIC likes to come in to see what we're doing, um, you know, and since they insure our deposits. What's that, what's that crypto yeah, uh, exactly. bank? The, those guys are friendly with the crypto people. What are they yep. doing? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we have a lot of dialogue with a lot of regulators. Speaking of uh, regulators and kind of lawmakers, um, there's a lot of talk now of a digital dollar, right? So the U.S. creating this digital dollar. Any right. thoughts in terms of good idea, bad idea, um, or, or kind of how you see that playing out? Yeah, so um, so it's interesting because 
in one sense, and I know this isn't what people are talking about, but in one sense, it's already digital, right? Um, you know, so that's I, I know that's not what folks are, are talking about. But when you go to the to yeah, the point, 90, just for those that are sitting at home, 92, 93 percent of the money supply is not physical paper or physical coins. That's right. It's exists somewhere in the digital world. When people talk about this quote unquote digital dollar, what they're talking about is essentially tokenizing the dollar. Tokenizing the dollar, um, and then you know essentially making that though then a direct obligation of the Federal Reserve as opposed to an obligation from your bank. Mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's the primary difference is when I um, I have a bank account at Silvergate, right? Um, and so. Theoretically, that's where my money is. Right? Breaking news: the CEO of Silvergate has a Silvergate bank account. Okay. Well, hey, but but that was important. That gives me confidence. Yes. Well, but but I'll I'll tell you when I when when I when I bought my first Bitcoin, um, and I wanted to understand the experience of buying it through an exchange. So I connected. This is in October of thirteen. I connected my Silvergate account to my Coinbase account that I had opened online. I wanted to see where where did my money go, um, you know, and and so it, I took great comfort being the CEO of Silvergate that I, I could I could really watch watch the account closely, you know. So <laughs> so, um, but amazing. back to your question on the tokenized dollar, um, you know, I I think um, there's some things to figure out there, right? Because um, the whole credit system of of the U.S., you know, how do people get loans? They don't get loans directly from from the Fed. They get them from banks, right? Mm -hmm. And and why do banks, you know, so so banks are essentially fueling the economy, um, you know, in the sense of kind of that's how that's how the government creates money, right? Mm -hmm. um, is through is through through the banking system, mm -hmm. and if you tokenize those dollars to where you don't have to go to a bank, um, but you can you can just do it direct. Um, you know, now all of a sudden there aren't deposits um, in commercial banks to fund the loans, um, and and so I, there's some stuff to figure out there. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of challenges in terms of th there's almost like a second and third order effects of doing it. Yep. So you may solve one problem but create, create other another. problems. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, as we wrap up, uh, rapid fire set of questions. What sure. do you think is uh, the most important company in crypto other than Silvergate? You're one of the only people who come in here who legitimately you may be one of the most important companies. <laughs> <laughs> I joke with yeah. people usually, but you actually may be one of the most important guys. What, is, what do you think is the most important company other than Silvergate? Sure. So um, I'm going to actually go back to our, our very first customer. I think the digital currency group mm -hmm. um, is is probably, um, you know, because if you think about what they do, um, so they have three primary businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So they have um, Genesis Trading, where, where they are um, facilitating, um, you know, the, the buying and selling of Bitcoin. They're, they're, they're also doing lending, right? So they're, they, they, um, they've expanded their offerings. So that's one line of business there. They have Grayscale, mm -hmm. um, which is the, uh, the way that, you know, you can do institutional buying, uh, you know, of a, you know, of a regulated security, if you will, um, you know, of all the different funds that they have. And then they've got Coindesk, you know, mm -hmm. which is the marketing arm. But then importantly, they also then have investments in, um, and this is probably the most important piece from my perspective, they have investments in um, around 150 crypto companies. Um, so they're providing seed funding and you know and assistance with companies that, that are starting in, in this ecosystem and um, so you know hats off to Barry for the vision that that he had um, you know 
and and you know, and then thank you. I want to thank him too for sending us some of those early referrals. Um, and then um, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, um, but I but I should mention to you now that I've said I think they're the most important company. But I actually personally invested in Digital Currency mm-hmm. Group back in 2015 when they were when they were um, essentially. Um, selling second market, they were going all in, um, creating this company called DCG, the Digital mm-hmm. Currency Group. Um, I thought this would be a great way for Silvergate, um, you know, to to really participate. But I knew that the bank, you know, talk about regulation, you know, the bank wasn't going to be able to itself make an investment mm-hmm. um, in Digital Currency Group. And so I approached Barry and asked him if he was doing a little fr- friends and family round, and <laughs> and I I wrote a very modest check. Um, but but it, it's been an incredible partnership, um, you know, to to have an inside view. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that Digital Currency Group is is, is going to be involved in that isn't going to be relevant to Silvergate, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But but um, you got a front row seat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's great. What uh, what's the one regulation that you would change or improve if you could? I'm going to stay away from all banking regulations. Okay, so that's I don't get fair. In trouble. <laughs> um, I I actually think the um, you, you know the whole concept of a de minimis amount of of um, Bitcoin, you know, that you can transact with. Mm-hmm. You know, folks have talked about like six hundred bucks or, or something like that. I face this myself, um, so I'm a hodler. You know, mm-hmm. I bought Bitcoin, I just t- I tucked it away. But then when I wanted to experiment with, okay, well, what if I wanted to set up like my own node? I you know want to set up a Lightning node, for instance. So I'm going to go online and I'm going to buy a node. Okay, well, guess what? Um, I can only do that with Bitcoin or Lightning. So now I've got to go, um, you know, either sell some of my Bitcoin that I bought at a hundred bucks um, and pay tax on it, right? Or so I just bought some, you know, so I, I just bought some new Bitcoin, you know. But I mean, so that was like a four hundred dollar transaction that I'm gonna have to pay tax on, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and so yeah, um, it, it, yeah. it just it, it's a huge. Um, Discouragement, I think, mm-hmm. right, to, to people making these smaller transactions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hopefully it gets figured out. Uh, what's the most important book you've ever read? So I could I could give you um, a bunch of business books, but when you ask the question that broadly, I'm going to have to um, you know say the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the only book that I read out of every day. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, 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 it's funny to me how few people. Say the Bible. Yeah, I would think that that would be the most popular answer. Yeah, and most people usually say, you know, whatever other book. Sure. But uh, yeah. I, I think it is uh, for those that read the Bible, it probably is the most. Popular yeah. Book, no, right? it's 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 the only book that I always have in. You know, I always I've got it in my backpack. Um, I read it every day. I love it. And um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, what uh, what about aliens? Believer, non-believer? Yeah. So. So, oh, he may go. He may go with a no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going to go with a no because it's certainly possible, right? I, I okay, mean, it's absolutely possible. Um, yeah. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. You know, yeah. now I love. You know, I grew up. You know, enjoying science fiction yep. and that kind of stuff. And and so, um, but it's just. I mean, there's so much to do here 
on earth <laughs> and and with our fellow human beings that I don't spend a lot of time worrying about, you know, whether That's fair. or not, you know, so, um, but is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. Are, are you somebody who would be more interested in space exploration or ocean exploration? Um, yeah, so actually probably space exploration. Okay, space, uh, yeah. okay. So, um, and, and that just, you know, I had a telescope when I was little, you know, yep. I, lo I loved astronomy, um, you know. and, and it, so. it fascinates me how, and, and maybe it is because we're little or whatever, but just the, uh, the human desire to look out and go yeah. up and, yeah. and yeah. kind of, you know, space and yeah. stuff. When we don't know what's underneath the water. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like it just it just strikes me as, uh, and again, I, I don't know if it's a human nature thing or what, yeah. but just there's not that many people who say I'm very interested in what's beneath the water yeah. right well, here on Earth. But if you think about it, and you know, I grant you that most of the Earth is covered by water, but there are a lot of people that that don't touch the ocean, you know, mm -hmm. but. Everybody, can everyone see looks guy. up. Uh, yeah, you know, that's very fair. Yeah. What uh, what one question you have for me to end this thing? Um, so what what do you think the most important um, most important company in crypto is? I, you you talk to a lot of companies. Yeah, I cheat. Uh, so you you've probably been asked this question before. Not not actually no. that often. Um, I say Bitcoin. Yeah, it's not a company, right? Mm -hmm. But but just the market is determined to be most valuable. It was the first. It, it it's. Um, I joke and say it's like the first love of anyone who comes to the industry, yeah. right? Is they, oh, Bitcoin got me here, right? Yeah. And maybe they kind of go their own path, whatever, but but that one will always be there. Uh, but in terms of companies, um, so, so that's always my answer. And then some people push me, and they're like, well, you can't say not a company. Yeah. Right now, uh, and I'm always careful to say, like, this actually changes in my opinion, sure. right? Based yeah. on market dynamics, yeah. kind of where companies are. People can fall from grace, right? Yeah, right All that kind right. of stuff. Um, Right now, I'd have to say that uh, Binance is probably the most important. And I say important because, one, it's one of the deepest liquidity pools, if not the deepest. Uh, it's also got probably the most aggressive kind of land and expand strategies. So start with a spot exchange and then it quickly yep. add you know, futures and lending right. and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and then the third part, and probably the part that is most underrated about the company that I've started to think more about, CZ and that executive team are probably most open to working with non-North American countries yep. to really drive adoption basically everywhere else in the world, right? right? Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of companies who say, hey, I want to be in the U.S., I want to be a U.S.-based company, or I want to service U.S. customers. And then there's people who focus on China and kind of Asia. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole bunch of countries that get left out. South America, Africa, you know, Europe, uh, right. kind of the whole Middle East. Um, you know, you, you kind of just go through all of this. And and uh, if you look at some of the countries that uh, Binance has pushed into, it's not places that you would normally think about. Yeah, no, right? yeah that's a great point. Uh, yeah. You know, Uganda. Right, yeah. Who, who, who's sitting there in their, you know, corporate boardroom saying, uh, hey, what's our Uganda strategy? Right, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for right. whatever reason, yeah. right, and I actually don't even know the story as to why that became a, a place where they really pushed in and, and kind of got a lot of uh, success. But I saw recently, I think he, um, people will correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong on this, but I think he was in uh, Uzbekistan or somewhere, right? And kind of just these kind of obscure places when you right. think of it from a corporate uh, planning process, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's millions of people that live in these countries who right. they want access to this stuff, and so um, right now I think they're kind of pushing the pace. And mm -hmm. look, they are either going to be successful or not. But yeah. when you have somebody out in front pushing the pace like that, 
everyone else is playing catch up, right? Right, and, yeah. and so you kind of drive the competition mm-hmm. by having somebody who who's willing to kind of go out there. So for for right now, in was this November two thousand nineteen? I'd say Binance. Ask me in six months, and yeah. CZ don't mess up, or I'll have to change my answer. <laughs> So, uh, listen, right. thank you so much for doing this. Where can people go uh, if they want to open an account at Silvergate or become a customer? Where can they go? Silvergate.com. In the legacy world, they have the dot-coms and, and they act like normal companies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're a company that actually has to make money. <laughs> I, I, I won't say the name of the company, but I was looking for somebody's website recently and I tried every, you know, get at the name, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, with at the name, uh, the name app dot com. Right, like right. I was trying all these different things, and I couldn't find it, and Google wasn't being helpful, and it eventually be, uh, ended up being with the name of the company dot io. Oh wow! And I was like, that's no wonder I couldn't figure that one. Yeah, out. no kidding. So, uh, awesome. Cool. And well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're on Twitter as well. I'm, I'm on Twitter um, at Silvergate CEO. All right, don't uh, don't leave because then you have to change the Twitter name. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Al, thanks so much for doing this. All right, thank you. Hey, everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.